Good morning. It is so wonderful to be with you again. Again, I want to thank Miriam for inviting me to Kol Torah and Women's Beit Midrash. And it is always such an honor to be together with you. I look forward to spending this time together. And I want, am grateful to you for being willing to spend it together with me. So for today, you don't need a chumash, but a siddur would be helpful. And I will ask you to excuse me by starting with something from a parsha in a couple of weeks from today, the parsha of Toldos. It is simply the starting place for a different subject that I'd like to discuss with you. And I want to be honest and share with you that I gave this shear a few years ago to a different group. And it had a profound impact on me. I can honestly say that I have not been the same since giving this shear, and it is an honor for me to share it with you today. So, in Parshas Toldos, the central narrative is Yitzchak giving a bracha to Yaakov instead of Esav, who was the firstborn, because Yaakov tricks his father Yitzchak into thinking that he, Yaakov, is really Esav. That's the central narrative of the parish of, of Toldos. Now, there are many, many questions with this, many difficulties. How can Yaakov, our patriarch, act deceitfully? What is so important about who receives this bracha? Why can't they both get a bracha? How do we understand the role of Rivka in this episode? And many, many other questions. What I'd like to focus on now is just one question that goes like this. If Yitzchak wanted to give a bracha to Esav, and he was tricked into not giving it to Esav but to Yaakov, why is that bracha valid? Why is Esav upset? If prayer, blessings and prayer, relate primarily to what is in my heart, and that's something that we have discussed so many times, that the main part of prayer is what is in my heart, then what is the validity or the significance of a bracha if I did not intend it for that person? So, there are several answers to that question. I'd like to share one of them with you. And that is that this is an example of a fulfillment of the Pusik in Tehillim, Ritzon Yereyav Yaseh, that God sometimes fulfills the wishes of those who revere Him, of those who are righteous, even when it is just their words and not their intention. That's how powerful the words of prayer can be. Now, this is not such a simple concept. So, what I'd like to do together with you now 
is to analyze the context of that Pasuk, which is the prayer of Ashrei, and hopefully we will understand this entire subject much better, and also hopefully we will better understand this crucial tefillah, why we say it, and when we say it. So, I want to start with a passage in the Gemara. The Gemara says something startling. The Gemara says, in Masech the Brachos, Kol HaOmer, Tehillah LeDavid B'chal Yom Shalosh Bamim, Whoever says Tehila Ladavid. Now, Tehila Ladavid is the actual beginning of the Ashrei prayer. In our Siddur, we add two extra psukim as an introduction, Ashrei Yoshve Vesecha, but the main part of it is the psalm in Tehillim that starts with the words Tehila Ladavid. So, this Gemara is referring to the prayer of Ashrei. Whoever says Ashrei three times every day, he is assured that he will receive a share in Olam Haba in the world to come. That's pretty nice. That's pretty amazing. So the Gemara says, My Taima, what is so special about this prayer of Ashrei that a person who says it three times every day is assured of reward in Olam Haba? So the Gemara says two answers. There are two special features of this prayer that make it particularly valuable and endearing before Hashem. One is, it is, follows the Aleph base. It's an acrostic. It follows the Aleph base. Yes, I know there's one letter that is missing. We'll leave that subject to another time. But basically, it follows the Allah base. That's the first answer the Gemara gives. The Gemara gives a second answer and says, Because it includes the Posik, Poseach es Yadecha, Hashem opens his hand, and satisfies the needs of of every single living creature. And that Pasuk is so important that one who says this prayer is deserving of this reward. Okay, so we have this Gemara that gives us two reasons why this particular tefillah is so important. And we do that. We incorporate into our daily davening three times every day we say Ashrei. In the normal davening, we say Ashrei in Psuki de Zimra. That's before we get to the Amidah. Then we say it again a second time after we say the Amidah for Shachris. And finally, at Mincha in the afternoon, before the Amidah, we say Ashrei. On Shabbos and Yom Tov, the second time that we say Ashrei is after Shachris, but before Musaf. So, somehow, the first thing that you see about Ashrei is that it is both a prayer for before praying, before the Amidah, and a prayer for 
after praying, at least during the week. And we need to understand how a prayer can be necessary and significant before praying, and also how can the same prayer be significant and necessary after we pray. So we'll try to understand that. Now, clearly in the Gemara, the promise of the reward is not simply for reading the words of Ashrei. It's not some kind of magical formula. But rather, the promise of the reward comes from understanding the prayer and saying it with concentration and meaning and consciousness and expressing its significance and, of course, living its significance. So let's try to understand both of these answers and why they are so important both before and after prayer. We'll start with the first answer, the answer of Alephes. Why is it significant that Ashrei follows the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, Alephes Gimel Dalet? Because the letters of the Alephes are the building blocks of creation. We learn in Bereshis, Hashem used words to create the world. Hashem said, Vayahi Or, and there was Or, etc., etc. Hashem uses words. The words are made up of letters. Letters, the Alephes, are the building blocks of creation. And for that reason, a necessary prerequisite for prayer is for us to understand that our words likewise in prayer create reality. Just like they create reality when God uses words made out of letters. We have to come to appreciate the letters themselves and the power they have when they are formed into words and into prayers. Each word of prayer that we say creates a malach, an angel, that comes before God and pleads on our behalf the content of that word. That understanding is so much the opposite of our mundane view of words, that they are ephemeral and inconsequential. No. Ashrei helps us to assert, to insist, words have substance. They have reality. They make a difference. So at the very least, we should pay attention to what we are saying. Just like we should pay attention to what we are doing. We should pay attention to what we are creating. Because with words, we are likewise building and creating, just as God did. So, it is a necessary preparation for the Amidah, for the main part of prayer, both Shachris Musaf 
and Mincha, before we say that prayer, we have to remind ourselves of the understanding of the power of words and letters that make up those words. That God himself created this world through these letters and we're now going to use these letters and we are going to create something of significance and permanence. And therefore the prayer of Ashrei following the Aleph Bays helps us to connect and to remind ourselves of the power of the words that we're about to say. Now, as I hope to show you, Ashrei anticipates every major challenge and difficulty we have with prayer and reminds us how to overcome that challenge and difficulty. So, for each section of what I plan to share with you now, we will ask what is the problem that we have with prayer and what is the solution that Ashrei provides to us. The first thing we need to recognize, and I think all of us do, is that prayer is hard. Rav Soloveitchik famously said, before God, we are speechless. We don't know what to say to God or how to say it. It's for that reason that before we begin the Amidah, we have this introductory line, Hashem, Sifasai Tiftach, Hashem, I need you to open my mouth because without your help, I don't even know what to say to you. I don't even know how to say it to you. So please, Hashem, help me to figure out how to be able to approach you in prayer because it's hard. We have to ask for God's help because otherwise, how could we bridge the gap between God and ourselves? And therefore, we use the structure of the Aleph Bays of Ashrei to help us formulate because we would not be able to come up with it on our own. So if we already have an established order, Aleph, Bays, Gimel, Dalid, it helps us to structure and order and formulate and verbalize the words that we want to say to God because it's so difficult. We need assistance. We would not be able to do it on our own. And by saying Ashrei with this acrostic that reminds us that we need help with figuring out what to say to God, we are reminding ourselves that we recognize how hard it is to pray. And that is the first step in doing it properly. That's why the Ashrei prayer following the Alipes is so important and valuable. Saying it with understanding means that we realize what prayer is and how challenging it is. So now let's follow this theme, the conceptual difficulty of prayer 
to examine the text of Ashrei. Rav Shimon Schwab writes that when we try to approach God in prayer, we can be overwhelmed by God. Overwhelmed by God's power, by God's perfection, to which we have no personal connection. Or we can feel, we may feel that we are being pushed away from God by what happens to us. We can feel that we are distanced from God by the way we experience. And so in prayer, we are constantly battling this distance, this chasm that exists between us and God. So that prayer is constant movement. We are attempting to come closer, but at the same time, we feel removed and distanced. Here's a secret. If you find prayer difficult, if you find that you feel that you are distant and removed from God, you're not failing at prayer. You are succeeding. Because both of these experiences, feeling distant and feeling close, both are true. Both are real. Both are necessary. And this is expressed in the grammar of Ashrei. Now, this is a, an idea, a concept that applies throughout prayer and has many, many applications in prayer. Let me take a moment. I'm sure most of you already know this, but just to review a very simple grammatical structure that goes like this. In Hebrew grammar, like in English, we have what we refer to as Lashon Nochach, which literally means a language that is direct. And then we have something that is called Lashon Nistar, which means a language that is indirect. The English terms that we use are second tense and third tense. Second tense, nochach, that's when I speak directly to you. I address you directly. Nistar, indirect, is what we refer to in English as third person. That's when, if I'm speaking about you, I say her. She did something. This is about her. I'm referring to someone who is not present. Now, this is an issue that exists throughout prayer where sometimes we switch between nochach and nistar even within the same line, even within the same prayer. And if we think about it, it appears to us to be an error it appears to us to be, in English, it would be a grammatical error. <laughs> if you're an English teacher, you would take points off for someone writing or speaking like this. But it's done intentionally. Just to give you one example, the standard formulation of a bracha before we do a mitzvah, we say, Baruch Hashem, Asher Whatever the rest of the bracha is. 
Do you notice there's a mistake? I mean, in quotation marks, it's on purpose. There's what appears to be a mistake in the grammar. Baruch Atah Hashem. Blessed are you, God. That's Lashen Nochach. I'm speaking directly to you, God. Asher Kirishonu B'mitzvosav. Who has, com- who has sanctified us with His commandments. We just switched from second person to third per- person. We should have said, Blessed are you, God. You have sanctified me with your commandments. That would be, that would be consistent. But we switch from Lashon Nochach to Lashon Nistar. Okay. Let's come back and focus on Ashrei. In Ashrei, there are 21 psukim. Ten of the psukim are nochach. For example, Ashrei, Yoshvei, Vesecha. Praiseworthy are those who dwell in your home, we say to God. We're addressing God directly in your home. Bechal yom avarchecha. Every day I will praise you. I'm speaking directly to God. There is a closeness. There is an intimacy. I'm speaking directly. Ten psukim out of the 21. Ten psukim are nochach, direct, intimate, second person. Eleven psukim are nistar, indirect, removed. Tzadik Hashem b'chol derachav. God is righteous in all of His ways. We don't say, God, you are righteous in all of your ways. We say, God, <coughs> God is righteous in His ways. I'm not talking directly to God right now. I'm talking about God, who is somewhere else, distant, removed from me. Out of the 21 psukim, you see that it is almost equally divided between immediate and close and intimate versus distant and removed. Because the mixture of near and distant, the movement between near and distant is the truth of our relationship. It is the truth of our experience in prayer. And it is also the posture of our relationship. I had a cousin, a wonderful, wonderful person. He's passed away a number of years ago. And he was a great person. He was a Tamil Chacham, a Torah scholar. Influential. Had such an influence on so many people. Years ago, he moved with his family to live for several years in New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, Marcy and I also lived in New Orleans, but it was much later. He lived in New Orleans years, years before we ever came there. When he went to New Orleans, there was an Orthodox shul. Almost everyone in that synagogue was non-observant, not Jewishly educated, and he came. He was a from person, he was a Tamil Chacham, and he's davening in the shul. So he told me the story <laughs> that he came to shul, and he puts on his talis, he puts on his tefillin, he's davening, he's shuckling back and forth, and he's davening, not paying attention really to whatever anyone else is doing. He's davening. In the middle of his davening, an older gentleman comes over to him and 
pushes him on the shoulder and says, stop moving back and forth. You're making me seasick. So that's shuckling. That's waving, moving back and forth as we often do during davening. Why do we do that? Why is that a part of the prayer experience of some people? It's not universal, but a lot of people do that. Why do we do that? A number of scholars suggest the reason for shuckling, for moving back and forth, is that we are mirroring by our posture our relationship with God. We come close and then we pull back. And we come close and then we pull back. We are intimate and we are distant. We are close and we are removed. Our posture reflects this movement and tension. The text of Ashrei expresses this tension, this challenge in our relationship with God and our need for prayer to follow the olive bays to assist us because it is so hard, because we are always moving back and forth, close and away. And so we need help. We need assistance. And the text of Ashrei and the structure of Ashrei are intended to give us that assistance to be able to navigate how to be able to pray to God. Let's move now to the second answer in the Gemara. And now I'd like to focus on analyzing the content of the text of Ashrei as opposed to just the structure of the text. Ashrei plays a trick on us. We think, we may think, follows the Aleph Beis, Aromimcha, Elokai HaMelech, B'chayim Avalcheka, G'dol Hashem Momolod. We may think that it's like a smooth, continuous praise. One line after the other, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, praises to Hashem. In fact, the content of Ashrei is a dramatic dialogue that answers the question how we humans relate to God, how we perceive God. Now, what I'd like to share with you now is based on an analysis by Rav Shamshunafol Hirsch. And he explains that Ashrei, written by David Amela, King David, as part of Tehillim, is actually a dialogue between the rest of the world and David HaMelech. Knowledge of God, having a relationship with God, is not unique to the Jewish people. People of other religions also have knowledge of God and a relationship with God. But how we understand God is qualitatively different than the way people of other religions 
understand God. And that is what David Amelech is coming to teach us in Ashrei. They say, the nations of the world, they say, Dar ladar yeshabach ma'asecha u'gvorasech yagidu. In every generation, they praise your actions and they tell of your glory and might. They say, Hadar kvod hodecha v'divrei niflosecha asicha. They tell about the honor of your glory and they tell about the wonders that you perform. They say, They tell of the strength and beauty of your awe. That's what they say. But then, David says, I say, but I will tell of your greatness contrary to the way others describe God as all-powerful and mighty and, and perfect in contrast to human beings who are limited and small and weak, in contrast to that opposition, we, David says, we have another view of this. We remember God's goodness and God's righteousness. God is merciful and compassionate slow to anger, ugdol chesed, great in kindness, tov Hashem lakol, God is good to all, v'rachamav al kol ma'asav, and is merciful to all of his creatures. David HaMelech shows the complete view of God. He shows God's grandeur and power. And at the same time, also, he includes God's kindness and care for humanity and relating to each individual according to their needs. Now, why is that understanding so important for prayer? Because Prayer is problematic in another way, different than what we have already described. The problem with prayer is, why should a big God like you, Hashem, who created the world, who is all-powerful, why should you care about little me? Why should you care about the little requests and problems and difficulties that I have. I'm just an individual. Why should God care about that? If you conceive of God, and just to use these human terms, which of course is not possible to apply to God, but if you think of God as like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, he's running the whole show and everything. He doesn't have time for just little individuals and people's personal requests. 
God deals with the world and nations and big things. Not little people like you and me. Not you. You're not of little people. I'm a little people. Not little people like me. That's a problem. Because if that's the case, what's the point of prayer? If God's not aware of me as an individual, if God doesn't care about my concerns, what's the point of prayer? David Amalek teaches that God is not like the Wizard of Oz. That God is concerned with me, little me, and my needs, and my worries, and my wishes. And the consequence of that teaching that David Amalek is expressing, of his answering to the way the rest of the world looks at God, the consequence or the epitome of that is, Poseach es yadecha umas bia God opens his hand and satisfies the needs of every single creature. That's even me. That's the epitome of Ashrei, according to the second, second opinion in the Gemara. God has time for every single one of us. God is aware. God is concerned with every single one of us. God is involved and provides for every single individual. Karov Hashem Lechol Karov. God is close to every single one who calls out to Him. Lechol Hashem Yikru Bemes. Everyone who calls out to God with truth, with authenticity. Ritzon Yireyav Yaseh. God fulfills sometimes the will, the wishes of those who revere Him. Now, if this were not the case, if we did not have these psukim of Ashrei, why would prayer make sense? Why would it make sense for me to say to God in the Amidah, Rafainu, heal me, provide for me, take care of me, give me this, listen to what I'm saying. It only makes sense because of what we have said in Ashrei. Ashrei means that the Amida that we will soon say is not just empty words. We will mean it when we come before God and ask Him for something. And God will hear it. That's what we get from Ashrei. Prayer, which is so difficult, but it's also so important, it is so important that every time we pray that we're about to say the Amidah, we have to remind ourselves of how this entire experience is even possible. Poseach es yadecha, karov Hashem l'chol karov, ritzon yireyav yaseh, shomer Hashem es kol o'avav, God protects every single one of those who love Him. This is the introduction to every prayer because this is what makes prayer possible. And 
explains Rabbi Yisrael Reisman. This also explains how Ashrei can be a preparation or an introduction to prayer and also a conclusion to prayer as we're about to leave prayer during the week. Because these psukim are really expressing the idea of hashkocha pratis, that God has a unique and individual relationship with every single one of us. Poseach es yadecha. God opens his hand for me according to my needs. And therefore, as I just explained, we say it before we say the Amidah because that is what makes prayer meaningful. That's what makes it work. But we also say it when we finish prayer and we're about to leave shul and we're about to go about our day. Maybe we're going to work to earn a living. Well, if we're going to work to earn a living, we have to remember that what we earn is part of what Hashem gives us. What we do during the day, the success that we will have in what we spend our time is due to what Hashem gives us. That aspect of Hashkacha Pratis, that we have a personal, individual connection and relationship with God is as relevant to how we go about our daily life as it is to making prayer possible. And that's why we say Ashrei before the Amidah. And on weekdays, we say it also after the Amidah as we're about to go into the rest of our life. That is why Ashrei is required preparation for prayer. And as we leave prayer and begin our day. And that is why one who understands this, one who appreciates this, one who invests energy and thought into being conscious of this, like Yitzchak, is assured of being a ben olam haba and perhaps able to achieve Ritzon Yireyav Yaseh, that God fulfills the words that we utter, the wishes that we utter. With Ashrei, and only with Ashrei, there is tremendous power in our words of prayer. Ashrei makes prayer possible. And it makes our relationship with God possible. And that's the reason one who says it with intensity and consciousness is assured of the blessings the Gemara holds out for us. My friends, thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. I hope that your experience in saying Ashrei will be transformed by this and Hopefully, our experience in tefillah in general will be enhanced by understanding the role that Ashrei plays. Thank you very, very much.